And welcome to the Men Up Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Christian Shabu. Drew Chin. Will Van Dyke. Lamar Wamble in the his house. And thank you all for joining us for this final episode of season two, where we dig into culture, current events, and our own events, and where we redefine manhood and masculinity so that we, however you identify, can all thrive. All right, so if you've been rocking with us here in season two, you know that at the top of every episode, we like to start with a starting lineup question, a way for us to get connected as a team, for y'all to get connected to us, and hopefully for y'all to take a little bit of time to reflect on your own and, and think about yourself and where you're going in your life. So Drew, you have got the starting lineup question this week. What do we got? Starting lineup question is, what? do you lie to yourself about? I will, I will kick it off. I lie to myself about that I can put on weight and easily take it off. I will just say Lamar has now posted his second 50 mile challenge collectively in the two months of 50 miles. I've put on seven miles of running. So I'm doing really great because I'm living into this lie. Who wants to go next? <laughs> <laughs> I will also add better than no miles. Fair, thank you. Don't all jump at once. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of like serious stuff we could dig into. Uh, what do we lie to ourselves about? Uh, or maybe are just not fully truthful. Like we tell some version of the truth, but it's not the full truth. I think the thing that like most consistently I have lied about throughout my entire life is my height, right? So whether it's on my license or in <laughs> basketball or in anything else, right? Like I love to think that I'm 5'9", 5'10". That's not true. That's at least a couple inch exaggeration. Uh, so that's probably the most oh. consistent thing. I've just, it's a couple. Uh, so that is the thing that I've lied to myself pretty consistently about since I was, I don't know, a teenager. When I was playing basketball with Will and a whole bunch of our other guys that were much taller than me. And I was like, oh, if I just say I'm a little bit taller, that's just going to make things easier. Dude, you can't be any short. You're not shorter than five, nine, five, eight. It's like five, eight. Okay. I was going to like, you can't be like, you've got to be there. Here's the thing. He and I are about the same height. And the reason I say about, I'm actually supposed to be taller on paper, but my posture is so poor and his is so good. He's actually taller. I'm uh, I'm a solid six inches taller than Chupo. Like a healthy, <laughs> a healthy six inches taller. What a dick. I'm just, that's the reality of it. And that's been true since junior year of high school. This was going to be my lie. My lie is that I can get back to my athletic, you know, not peak, but like I can go and still do triathlons at a competitive level or anything like in the matter of months. It's going to take me probably 18 months to undo everything that I've put on my body in the last, you know, two, three years or so. Some of it's injury related. Some of it's, you know, just health, <laughs> you know, daily routine related. Um, and then the other one that I was going to say was like, uh, um, being good with money. Like I lie to myself that I'm good and I'm probably not at all. I'm going to go ahead and be that guy. Cause I don't, you know, I think when I think about this question, I only think about it in terms of like serious things. Uh, so I think, I think one consistent thing that I've probably struggled with for a while in terms of like what I tell myself and that I am, if I am deserving of being loved, uh, and I think a lot of time and, and not like from friends or people around, but like in relationships, because um, I know I have done my fair share of feelings hurting and cheating and things like I really don't feel good to people. And so I know I, I think often like, do I even deserve the things that I have? Um, 
and oftentimes tell myself that I, I don't, even though I find myself in obviously a very like supportive and loving relationship, but you know, it, it does question, it makes me question like what the future looks like and if I even deserve it, you know what I mean? So I have that conversation a lot. I feel that with Mar. That's what this week's session with Jeff was all about. Shout out Word. to Jeff one more time. Uh, listen, man, I believe that. Yeah. I mean, especially where you are right now as you are like kind of experiencing your, your partnership. Well, shout out to you, Lamar, as we focus and transition to thinking so much about external, you know, shout out to you for bringing it internal. Yes, sir. You set us up perfectly there through the alley-oop and it's game time, y'all. So as we have been doing here throughout season two, uh, we have focused on really specific part of our daily life and what we're learning during this time of pandemic, this time of multiple crises sort of coming together. What are we learning so that as we come out of this time, we can take it with us, right? And we can ultimately be better, whether that's individually or collectively. So Will, I wanna toss it over to you because you are the one really facilitating today's conversation. So where are we starting today? This whole season, we've talked about things like accountability and we've um, about saying sorry. And, you know, we've highlighted, you know, key role models in, in the world and, and sort of what we expect of society a little bit. And so some of this is dovetailing into as a lot of this, you know, transitions, a lot of us transition into, you know, a, a more public life, a more social life and those sort of things. How are we trusting a, a, a smaller community of people like, you know, your neighbors? How are we trusting uh, a larger community of, you know, like a crowd, <laughs> if you're in public spaces, those sort of things, um, agnostic to a ongoing pandemic um, is that that trouble that I think guys get themselves into a lot of times, which is like making just new friends off of like nothing, like there's just no thread to your connection between two guys. And like, is that like, do, do, would that situation return itself, like essentially in, in this new world? And so I added that question in here too, because I think it's an ongoing question, again, regardless of whether there's a pandemic going on or not, is like, can guys actually make a new friend without having some connection to them? Um, in, the, in normal society. And then certainly now, is that is that going to be a thing that ends up happening? I am purposely putting on the brakes. You know, like when you're going down a hill, you don't slam on the brakes, but your hand's on it and it's squeezing. Like that's, that's me because I know on the opposite end of it, I would just be victorious and celebrating and like out with everyone. And I'm like, I don't think that's the right thing for me, my family, let alone my neighbors. Um, and all the communities I'm in. So I'm glad you set it up, Will, of like basically all the different spaces we've been occupying. Um, and I'll tell you, like the first thing that comes to me beyond my family is just even my my neighborhood, like my, my close-knit neighbors. And I'm talking about the house directly across from me um, at 11 o'clock, at one o'clock, obviously at nine and at three. And you know, there's just times where I'm often like gratitude journaling, like, man, this feels normal, right? Like we're all talking from our lawns and like sharing some time. I'm like, yes, get back to that. And then yet, you know, little neighborhood um, house down the street says like, come have your Kona ice. And I'm like, hell no, I'm not sending my family to like be with the rest of the neighborhood, you know, just having like icy. So it's this weird balance. The neighborhood thing is real because we actually moved into like mid pandemic last year moved into a neighborhood 
like we weren't really on a neighborhood. We were friends, friendly with our neighbors, but you know, we met, we put in a new fence at our, at our house. And like, that was a, a neighborhood ordeal because this, all this activity was happening and like three different houses of people met at the little corner and we were talking about it. And then one of them mentioned like, we're going to do a cocktail party, but everybody has to be vaccinated. And so they put those caveats on it. So like, those are real conversations that are happening. And so we do have to kind of go a little bit into the details of like people's, you know, what, how, where they were throughout this whole pandemic, you have to sort of like categorize your neighbors a little bit, but you know, they're all, they're all a little bit older and those sort of things too. So, you know, it'd be interesting to continue to see how that neighborhood socializes. For Lamar and I, it could be a little bit different because we're still living in apartments, right? And I think that's a little bit of a different dynamic than when you live in a neighborhood, you're in a home, those sorts of things, right? So like, have you noticed any difference in your interactions with your neighbors? Because like, I got to be honest, like my interaction with my neighbors, like I've got one other person that's in my side of my apartment building, like we still see each other like once in a while, but our interaction is exactly the same as it was two years ago, as it was one year ago, as it was one week ago, right? So like, it hasn't really changed. There's been people who, you know, walk up and down our street or whatever, who didn't, you know, come onto the yard or whatever. And we were, you know, kept our distance and all that kind of stuff. But now like I had one lady who was walking her dog and I was like, you can bring the dog inside the fence if you want. And the dogs can play because my dog was out and her dog was out. And so like, we were just inside the fence playing, you know, the dogs playing and stuff like that. So the interactions have definitely changed for sure. From an apartment perspective, I think um, by nature, you're in closer proximity, right? Like you just, someone's in the hallway and you're in the hallway. I'm not going to not go in the hallway because they're in the hallway. So I think by nature, it's like you're kind of having these closer interactions. Um, and I would also agree that, you know, inside of my building, like I've gone to our neighbor's place. They've come up to ours. Like we've had drinks with them in their apartment, no masks. So, and not that, like everyone's vaccinated, but even still, like, I think for me in terms of trusting, like I, I generally probably put the trust in a lot of people to just, if you're sick, then don't have us over or don't come over. Like, don't, that's just the end of the discussion. And obviously I know that's not, it's probably a little naive, um, but at the same time, it's just like, I think what I've built up over the last year, year and a half is, I've had a number of experiences where I have been in, in small groups, anywhere from five to 25 people. And I'm just kind of like, not that I'm over it, but I'm just kind of like, I think that I have friends that are smart enough to not put themselves in, in a stupid position or to do things that would put everyone else in a stupid position. So I trust that if I'm showing up somewhere and there's going to be 15 people there that it's going to be pretty safe. If you're sick, you wouldn't show up. And I think being in New York, you know, obviously this is like progressive land. So I think everyone is understanding of that same ideal versus like somewhere like Nebraska that you might have a mixed bag where there's more conservative voice and there's more progressive voices. And then it's like, all right, well, you don't know who's been vaccinated or not. Who believes in vaccination? Who doesn't? Who's showing up to this party that doesn't give a shit? And who's showing up to this party that like, no, I'm not going unless it's an all vaccinated part. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So I just think it makes it a little bit easier living in an apartment, but also in a more uh, progressive city. Of the five houses within my proximity, 
three have moved in since the pandemic. And so to answer the question of like how it's changed behaviors, what would be my instinct to want to just like go over and say, hey, we're your neighbors, like maybe offer something, not there, right? Likewise with them, having come from living in apartments all my life, I think the the biggest difference is your life is on display when you're in a house, right? Like when I'm cutting the yard, I'm taking out the trash and picking up the mail, like you see what I'm wearing. Cause like part of it is like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to go out wearing what I'm wearing at the same time. Like you see if I'm actually going to the office cause I look different, right. Or I'm coming in, like you see the cars going in and out, right. We have a big window where people can see us playing and having dance parties. Like that's a thing. And it's like a, I told this to one of my neighbors. It's like, it's like a privilege. It's like your little tight knit little community of like, you get to see this, this is us doing life. So my whole point of that is like, it's tough because we all didn't get off to the start. I think we would want it to. I can remember my one neighbor, John always being like, you know, when this is all done, we'll we'll actually have like drinks or something. And we're like a year later, but here's the cool thing to end this story. John, we used to joke all the time because when we got our signs for the election, we both got notices of like your signs aren't 12 feet from the street. Right. So that'd be like our ongoing joke, but we both have the same signs of like black lives matter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Long story short, I've never had like huge in-depth conversation with John. And then days after the Atlanta shooting with the six, um, sorry, eight Asian lives, let's start that again. Days after the Atlanta shooting with the Asian lives that were murdered, there was a candlelight vigil that my family went to. And as we're looking around at the whole community that showed up, white haired, white man, older man. And I go to Maria, I was like, I think that's John. And she goes, it is. So like chills of, you know, kind of like, I see you, right? You're my people. I got you without us actually saying that. As I get older and even living in an apartment complex, like I definitely am. One thing that drives me crazy about New York City is that people love being to themselves, especially inside of apartment buildings. And I desperately want like, especially having a kid now, like building community inside this building because we're going to be here for a while. So that to your point, your point will about like being safe and checking in on each other and being familiar with who lives here so that we are all not, it's not awkward when I see you in the hallway. Like I know who you, at minimum, I know who you are at minimum when something's going on, like you can text me or let me know or come knock on my door. And it's not going to be like, what the hell are you doing? Knock on my door at three. And you know what I mean? This, this literally just happened like two weeks ago. My neighbor, um, older guy, he lives with his brother and his wife and they're all above like 65. They're all going to be like 60, 65, 70, two 30 in the morning, neighbor comes knocking on our door and um, his wife fell out of her wheelchair and they can't like they're, they can't pick her up. So it's like literally 2.30 in, in the morning. And I'm like, Zena answers the door. He wants me to come over there and help him pick his wife up off the ground and put her back on the bed. And I was just like, I did it. But I'm just like, I, it just, I didn't know what to do. Like, I'm literally kind of freaking out in my own mind. You know what I mean? And so, but I want to be that available to the people that I live with um, and to be, for them to be that comfortable to be able to do that because if if we didn't do that what would have happened what are they going to do you know what i mean like you know people don't think about those types of things when they think about the importance of like connecting and knowing your neighbors and being a community that way 
So here in season two of the Men Up podcast, we have had an incredible sponsor of this entire season, Chip in a Bottle. And what's great is we've been able to develop a relationship with Chip in a Bottle. So Lamar, I wanna go over to you as the person that has most recently bought from Chip in a Bottle, right? Although a business based in Connecticut, you are in New York, you were able to get some of that deliciousness shipped to you. Tell us, first impression, first time buyer of Chip in a Bottle, what'd you think? First of all, let me say this. So I ordered Thursday before Mother's Day. I wasn't sure ordering it on Thursday if it was gonna get here by Mother's Day. And it got here the day before Mother's Day. So first I just wanna say shout out to ordering our product and like getting it to somewhere on time uh, before the holiday, even though it was my fault that if it would have been late, it would have been on me, not on on chipping a bottle. But that was the first thing that stood out. Second, uh, the chocolates were delicious. Um, I can honestly say probably the best tasting chocolates I've ever tasted. And so to sum that up, they were banging. Um, and, and third, the third thing I'll say is uh, the design and presentation of the chocolates. Personally, I've never seen anything like it. And so I was just really pleased with my overall experience with chipping a bottle from the speediness of the shipment um, and also the product itself, collectively 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10, you heard it here, folks. And what's really powerful, what you're bringing up, Lamar, is the values that are at the core of a business, right? And and Drew, you and I know that to be true. Uh, we know the owner and the head chocolatier of Chip in a Bottle, Daryl Nurse, uh, and we know the values by which uh, he likes to live with and is brought to his business. So as somebody who has been a longtime friend of Daryl, seeing Chip in a Bottle grow from its very beginnings like what could you tell the people about what this business is all about it's about being customer centric i lived with daryl for a year and so daryl used to cook for me so i know firsthand what it's like of hey can you get me this and then he always under promises and over delivers and so being customer centric is like taking that feedback figuring out what customers like and then like crushing their expectations and to hear you say lamar about like the design and how it looks daryl has impeccable taste and impeccable eye for design so he wants to deliver not just on the taste but like he wants all five senses to be engaged in his chocolates and i think he's shown that visit chipinabottle.com to get any of the dozens of unique flavors shipped to you or your loved ones I do find it though almost necessary to like have to have the interactions with the neighbors so that like we're exchanging phone numbers and emails and like we're knowing what is happening because like you are all just kind of sort of supposed to look out for each other to a certain extent too in that in that type of community. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't want you. I'm dreading even mentioning it that they're going to Google me and I'm going to pop up on this podcast and calling them out. That's so weird, man. I understand. I, I would, I, I Google people like, don't get me wrong, but like, I just think that is just the weirdest thing to tell you that, Oh, I did this. Right. I did this before I even met you from a deeper perspective, like even in terms of how, how people in neighborhood probably can treat neighbors. Like imagine if you were black or like maybe minority or like, you know what I mean? Like how did, how does yeah? How does that show up when people find out? Like that thought went through my head, where I was just, "What would this interaction be like if I was not who I am?" 
turns out it helps that I'm super famous, you know, guys. So it's listen, this fame is not translating to this podcast. So I don't know what's happening here. Will. Well, when I when I was reading um, kind of like the, the title of the episode, Shabu, I was really thinking about, you know, what we've learned, not so much in terms of uh, how we're going to interact once we return to uh, post pandemic life. But I, I really thought about this as like, you know, one of my values is community in general. And I'm thinking about all of the ways that I built community over the pandemic um, and found myself engaging in group ambitions and goals and visions with people that I'm close to that I care about, uh, probably more so than I ever have in my life um, and with all these different projects and stuff going on. So uh, I'm, I'm very happy that the pandemic kind of created space for everyone to kind of like get some time to look at maybe where their life is, where they're at now, where they're going um, and be like, you know what? Yeah, I think I do want to hop on that with Lamar. I do want to hop on uh, this podcast and, and do, because it, it will speak. I'm interested to know, like, had this been a year and a half ago and Shabu would have came to you about doing a podcast non-pandemic, where would you have been with it? Or, you know, even for you, Drew, like, where would you have guys have been? Like, I would have did it because that's just kind of like part of what my time and space and career arc is. But like, would you have had the time for it? I wouldn't have made the time. I think that was, I think that's the honest truth. Like if, if I'm being tr- truthful, like I, I, the whole reason why I did the last dance, the men up, you know, the, the last dance pod was because every night I was just at my house doing, hanging out, you know, and, and I had, had that time and then when we started doing this back in season one like again it was you know pretty um restricted movements and we weren't doing a whole heck of a lot and i like the community that has been created to this so there's been a ton of value here and and if i had known the what i got out of this situation and the community and the trust that i have and you know three other guys you know who and shabu and i haven't had a ton of interactions like we see each other once a year usually or maybe more like it wasn't like this is a full reconnecting for for him and i as well too like so so it's not just that so like building that trust building that community that i think we've done a, a little bit even in and amongst ourselves if i had gone if i had known that that was going to be the result yeah probably like i probably would have been like let's make the time let's figure this out these are good guys like, let's go do this I mean, I would say to to your initial question, Lamar, like asking Drew and Will, you know, would they have gotten involved? I don't think I would have approached either one of you guys, to be perfectly honest, right? Because like, you know, I think some of the barriers that I had put up is like, oh, you guys have families, right? Like you're already busy. You've got that going on. And when we started this endeavor together with like the last dance and stuff, Lamar, like at the point when we started these conversations, you still... Um, you were just about to be a dad, right? So I think I would have probably approached you and you and I have worked together a lot in the last five years, um, but I wouldn't have pro- approached Will or Drew for this, right? And so I think, you know, I'm thinking about what has the pandemic allowed for me, you know, a little bit to what you were talking about, Lamar. It's like, it's allowed me to get really clear on some of my values and like what it means to like actually live into those values, even when you can't be in physical community with folks or when you can, the moments that you can, like with things like protest or, you know, that sort of communal expression of something like, um, yeah, that, there are, there were a lot of things that I was a part of in the past year that I don't think I would have been, uh, 
if not for this pandemic, even things like, you know, like one of Will's initial questions here in this episode was like making friendships um, with other guys, right? And, and what does that look like? And, you know, have we been doing that during this pandemic? Do we do that in general in our lives? Like the only place that I've made those friendships has been through things I wouldn't have been involved in pre-pandemic, right? Like there was some volunteering with some campaigns down in North Carolina during election season that like I met a whole bunch of people, but like have actually developed friendships with some folks. Shout out to Evan, my guy, Evan, who's probably listening to this, but like that's a new friendship in the last year, right? Or I think about, you know, a platform like Lunch Club, right? That I'm relatively new to, but like the cultivation of relationships, just like, you know, casual rather than them being driven by like, oh, we're trying to connect because of business reasons or things like that. Like, I would have never leaned into those things um, if not for the pandemic. I want to offer three questions based on like what I've heard and they're not for us to answer. <laughs> Just three questions. Just three. But one is really important. So I think, Will, you started the episode saying like, what or can we make new friends without connection? Right. And like what I would if I heard that right, what I would offer differently is like, what do we each do to build connection? And in building connection, how does that you know become friendship? And obviously we can talk a lot about this podcast is one of those examples. Lamar, when, when you talk about coming to the rescue, really, right, to the aid of a neighbor, that to me is the question, like, what needs to happen for connection to be made easier? Like, in that moment, it's like, emergency, I'm helpless, will you help? So connection made, because you answered the call. But I think the question we need to be asking ourselves and our communities, now that this mass mandate has been lifted for those that are vaccinated, is like, what are you going to do differently now to build connection? And I emphasize the differently because this whole season, we've been talking about what we've been learning about ourselves in a pandemic. Well, now that things are evolving, we have this challenge of like, do we continue to lean into the behaviors we form that are our pandemic selves or more of the behaviors that are pre-pandemic or like somehow infuse the two? So hence the, what are you doing differently to build connection? I don't think we need to make it easier in the sense of like, there's things in society or within our community that have to happen. Like, I think it's just a personal thing, right? And I go back to uh, our previous episode here of the podcast, one of our uh, Men Up leaders, Louis, was, was giving advice to young people, right? And was saying like, hey, you're just gonna need to get past the awkwardness. Like you haven't been connecting with people for a year, 14 months. You haven't been in school with one another. And so you're just gonna have to get through what that, those awkward barriers that have just been set up because we've been so distant. I think that that's true for all of us, right? Like there's some awkwardness going back to one of the stories that Will was telling about, you know, the dogs playing in the yard, right? Like two years ago, that's not a question he would have asked his neighbor. His neighbor would have even like stopped the dog from going in the yard. They Two dogs would have just played and neighborly, you would have been like, yeah, that's cool, whatever, right? But like, there are things like that that we just need to get beyond, right? And, and, and just literally push ourselves out of isolation. I think what the pandemic is gonna require us to do is to get more empathetic, post-pandemic, more empathetic and more comfortable with consent. And I think asking the question and not just assuming what's okay and what isn't okay. And that's not a bad thing across the board for us to be able to ask for approval of, is it cool if I come in your side of your yard? Is it cool if I give you a hug? Is it cool if I shake your hand? Like all these things that were just no brainers before are now like has created the personal bubble and space for people to actually get the question asked to them versus it just being assumed, which it definitely was pre-pandemic. 
Because what I was saying is not how do it, it's what do you need? What do we each need personally to make connection easier? So if someone needs to know, like, did you do this? Like, did you get vaccinated? Are you wearing your mask? Like, I think that's okay, right? In that we are now in a place in a time where it's like, people need to look out for themselves to come to be their full selves. And what I mean by that is like, I'm, I'm a great example. Like sometimes you just go with it to go with it, you know, but like, I think what this pandemic has shown us more of like, I need this. Like I need to be a little bit more intentional about how I can actually connect with someone. I need to be a little bit more safe with like how I use my time. If that even means like saying no, right. I need to, you know, not try to go out of my way to help my neighbor. I need to like say no to my neighbor and be like, dude, I got to hold you accountable because you blocked my driveway when my wife needed to get out of the, you know, pick up the kids, which was a real thing. So like, I think it's just self-check of what's your personal needs. I agree with that. And going back to a theme that we've, we've come to throughout this episode, which is in it, if in its most idealized form, being neighborly means that the people in your community, this idea that you are looking out for your neighbor then what is the balance of like, to your point, Drew, you got to look out for yourself, right? Protect yourself and your family. But also there's a really important thing coming out of this pandemic that like, we need to be able to look out for each other. And I, I really think that that starts with how do you look out for your neighbors, right? And what are those relationships? Something that I learned about myself is that I probably stopped being the guy that people would call to come and like, I'm not maybe the guy that like, like you're, my neighbors are going to call and be like, Hey, can you help clean this? Like, or fix the thing? Because I said no a lot. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And so like got out of that, like helper mentality to a, a certain extent. And I think that, that, that now I have a level of confidence that like, I hope I, I hope I can put myself out there enough as the, guy who can just show up i won't necessarily ask you to return the favor and come help me all the time but like i i, I want to be available to go and help you know it, it wh whoever and be an emergency contact and and drop of a hat go and and do things because i think that that was in me pre-pandemic for sure and i would take those you know and I'd do, go and do whatever needed to be done um so that was one the second thing is is that and, and Drew, I think what, what uh, I think part of building the connection, at least for my purposes, is I, I lean on other people who I already trust judgment. Like I have faith in other people and their judgment of. So if like if you're showing trust and faith in others, then I'm going to return that to this new person if there is a connection. Right. So that that connection happens so quickly. It's the reason why this made sense. This grouping made sense because it was, I've, I've trust and faith in Shabu's choice of friends. And so I'm like, yeah, this is gonna, this is that we're jumping in, you know, with all my clothes on and, and we're going to be fine. And so, uh, but, but I think to, to a certain extent, what's happened now is like, I've honed that, that group, that circle of trust to a certain extent, like I've carefully curated some of that. And some of it, I'm just going to be like, yeah, I'm skeptical still. So I'm going to be a little bit of that, but at the same time, like that, that core group, I'm, I hope that they text and be like, Hey man, I need you to come lift this heavy thing. And I'll be like, let me come take a look at it. See if I'm going to throw my back out or not, but I'll, I'll at least be there. Well, I'm really glad in that image that you kept all your clothes on. 
Well, yeah, because that's the most uncomfortable, right? <laughs> if you get, if you take the time to like get into your bathing suit, you know, and you, and you, and you take the time to like get yourself ready to like jump in the pool, then you've like curated that. But like, this was like no planning, no right. thought. I've been just like, I'm jumping into the pool. Right. And I'll it's going to be heavy. It's going to be heavy. And it's going to, it's going to feel weird coming out. Cause it was like, right. The metaphor worked. The metaphor worked I've, thank well. You. I've I, never heard this metaphor. It like worked it. really well. I make up all of my own analogies and metaphors. For right. Sure. And you've got like a 50% success rate. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's it's like 50% fame numbers. <laughs> uh, right, we're playing, we're playing baseball here. Right? We're playing baseball. That's right. <laughs> you're the ted williams of metaphors <laughs> right all i gotta do is hit 300 i'm good um uh, well you you brought us into this beautifully but you know it's important for us as a team as we're asking other people to level up throughout this entire season for us to identify you know us being in this experience together you know taking the time to really focus on these topics of like what are we learning in specific areas of our life uh, of our experience you know individually and collectively for us to acknowledge like what are the things we're taking away from season two as level ups whether it's you know thinking of uh, things in a new way or just a way that we're going to approach life heading out of the pandemic differently because of this because of this season because of this time together don't have any regrets man just don't don't have any regrets in your life and I think you know the the one question I ask a lot of people and I'll, I'll leave the listeners with this question is when you sit back and look at your life now, like what haven't you done that you want to do? Go do it. And that's, that's, that's the end of the discussion. Go do it because nothing is promised as we saw over the last year, so many people passed away and died and COVID and non COVID and had got sick and all the, all that. So um, go live your life. I think the pandemic provided a, a, a very unique opportunity to, to plan, plot, and get prepared. You like that alliteration? I work. Shout out to the alliteration. Our middle school English teachers, if they're listening to these episodes, are just going to love us so much. We got metaphors, alliteration. <laughs> Drew, if you whip out the onomatopoeia, Drew, like people are going to go wild. Yes, I don't remember what that means. So I'm gonna <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what does that mean, actually? But I'll throw in my alliteration. My level up is to reevaluate, refocus, and readjust my uh, healthy boundaries. And I said this because um, for me, it's like, how do I best care for myself reflectively, socially, physically, spiritually? You know, and I invite others to do it, right? Because the re for me is like, I've done it. I got to do it again, especially as we emerge into whatever this life will look like. And you know, I want to be careful to say like, this is not for me to block people out. It's kind of like what I alluded to before. It's like, before I just say yes, because I have a, a chronic illness of just saying yes to things without going, it's hold up, pump the brakes a little bit. And then maybe I say yes. Drew starting the yes movement before Daniel Bryan made it famous. Lamar's the only person that got that reference. And I'm really is excited. A wrestler? That he got that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. No. Hey, Lamar. No. Lamar, no. thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for getting the reference. Got you. For me, it was a very specific moment here in season two uh, when we were in the sort of three episode focus on accountability, just getting really clear on what it looks like to hold the people that are in my direct community, whether that's family, friends, neighbors, how do I hold those people accountable to what they say? 
they want to do, but also how they say they want to live and, and the values that they want to lead with, right? I think that I do a pretty good job keeping myself accountable. I think I do a fine job of identifying how leaders and other people that aren't in my direct community, how they can be more accountable to what they say they're supposed to do. But I struggle a bit with what that looks like on a friend, family, and uh, close community level. So that's some work that I know I really need to do and figure out how to do that in a loving, but like also a very uh, serious and clear way. So that's my level up from this season. Uh, thank you all for providing the space uh, for that level up and so many more that we have hopefully uncovered for ourselves and for our community here through the Men Up podcast. Before we conclude this episode uh, and this season, Drew, we actually want to pass it over to you for our final shot of season two. For the final shot, I'm taking my final shot. I wanted to tell the listeners that, you know, I'm going to take a little break from the Men Up podcast, but we'll still stay connected in the entire Men Up movement as well as the entire minute universe so with that i just wanted to say it's really fitting that we did an episode today about strangers and how you can become friends with other men that were strangers because as i look across there are two men on this podcast that i never knew until we made this podcast in my final shot here i use it as a call out for others to continue to join and you're welcome into the men up and we need your gifts and we need you. Well, that is it for this episode and for season two. Thank you all so much for joining us. And whether you got a level up from this episode or any episode from this entire season, we hope that you'll join us for our next season. We're going to take a little bit of a break here, uh, but we'll be back again. We'll have new topics. We'll have new ways of going about this work, but ultimately we will have the same focus, which is how do we level up and not just survive, but thrive in challenging times, but beyond that. And how do we redefine manhood and masculinity so that all of us can thrive? We appreciate and love y'all. The Men Up Podcast is a Grin and Bear production. The soundtrack is courtesy of Mike McGinley Music and visual artwork by Viotti Design Studio. Video clips from each episode are edited by Joe Oliveri. The executive producer and editor on the Men Up Podcast is me, Christian Shabu. You can listen to us every week on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts or by visiting themenup.com.